Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So there's a lot of stuff coming out of the closet these days in our little lovely planet. And some of the stuff can be the pandemic and other stuff can be the political stuff going on. And other stuff can just be people literally coming out of the closet. But one of the things that's definitely come out of the closet in the last couple of years is, <gasps> yes, we're going to go there today. But before we go there, I'm Rick Clemens. I'm the host of Life Uncloseted. I am so excited to have you all here. And I want you to stay tuned because there's lots of closet stories. And this is one that I feel like needs more conversation around it. This conversation and closet of diversity, inclusion, equality, voting rights, all this sort of stuff. I think it is on the table in a big way. Please try not to tune out if you're like, nope, not my thing. That's okay. We want to have a conversation. And to have that conversation, I met this guy a few months ago through another organization that I work with. His name is Don Reed. He's an amazing storyteller. He's done so many different things in his career from television to stage to network advertising and promotion. And he's got a really great way of like, let's have a conversation. Let's really have a conversation about this diversity inclusion stuff. And it's not about, oh, here's the law, even though there's some of that in there. But um, I'm excited to have him on the podcast, sharing himself, sharing his version of it. And I'm going to shut up because it's time for him to have a little bit of airtime. Welcome to the podcast, Don. So happy to have you here, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. Um, I've got to uh, make a, a quick comment about uh, watching your uh, wonderful speech uh, online. Mm. And I have to say, if you're a rapper, your name would be MC Keeping It Real. Because that's what you do. It was, it was really outstanding. I really appreciated it. Well, um, and I believe that's what we do here. We do not only thank you for that accolade too, but that's where, I come, that's where I come from. It's like, let's keep it real. We may not all agree on stuff, but let's keep it real even when we don't agree, you know? Right. So, um, but let's kind of dive in here. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, I already gave them a little bit of insight about who you are, but um, you've been doing a lot of this kind of work, but it's it spans some time and some interesting twists and turns in your life. So give us a little yeah. insight into that, man. There's a circuitous route to end up where I am now. Uh-huh. To give a little backstory to get kind of where we are now. I grew up in Oakland in the 70s, and my stepfather uh, forced us to be in that religion that rhymes with Tehovah Sitnesses. Mm. No birthday, no Christmas, no nothing. I couldn't take it anymore, so I moved to the other end of town when I was 16. I moved in with my uh, real father, and I didn't know that he was a pimp. I just thought he was really into hats, but I found out quickly <laughs> it was more. It was far more. But um, oddly enough, he wasn't um, the, the normal outlaw you would expect. It was more of a madam dynamic that he interacted with um, the uh, individuals he worked with. And every time I was ready to make a wild turn to the left, he'd be like, nope, nope, you got to be yourself. I want you to be yourself. And you're not about the streets. You're not really about running around. And right. he's the one who pushed me through um, junior college and through college where I got recruited to UCLA for speech and debate. 
uh, and I was a really great speaker, it turned out, because I had knocked on a thousand doors each, each year, going door to door in the religion and giving speeches in the congregation that created the dynamic. So it paid off all that door knocking and speeches. And uh, there was some storytelling during that speaking window, but it, as I got into college in UCLA, there was uh, more storytelling came into play. I began doing stand up, did a lot of work with uh, um, Robert Townsend and the, the weigh-ins and people of that nature, got involved in audience warm up for network mm -hmm. TV shows. And that takes a long time. And yeah. so you have these stretches where you can tell uh, stories if you choose, um, as long as you'd like. And also did it, uh, end up doing it for the Tonight Show with Jay Leno for over a thousand episodes. I was wow. an audience warm up and the cameras broke down. I could do stand up for a certain amount of time, but a story will capture people for a, a much more uh, focused amount of time. They yeah. have a, a invested interest in finding out uh, what the end is. Um, but to, um, to give an insight on all this, at one point I was doing a lot of um, uh, stuff that wasn't true stories. I was making stories up. I was um, mm -hmm. manufacturing them. And I finally started telling my true stories about my <laughs> real life, growing up in Oakland, my father's you know, mandate to be yourself right. and start delving into what it was really like, uh, adding in the fact that my, my um, uh, brother transitioned to become my beautiful, bold sister. Mm. And so my stories had this built in look at diversity in them. And I started telling those more and more. I got, I ran off Broadway in New York, came back to San Francisco and the LA area and was getting extended, you know, 22 times per run. I now have uh, about eight one person shows. Mm. And at one point there's this uh, executive I knew, he was a big supporter of my shows. And he called me right after the George Floyd tragedy. Mm. And this is where we get into uh, how things unfolded. He called me after the George Floyd tragedy and we've known each other since we, since we uh, coached our sons in baseball. Uh, when they were really little, our sons are now in their twenties, but when they were kids, we, we became pretty close. And he's a, he's a very successful CEO at a major uh, global corporation. And when the George Floyd tragedy happened, he called me, we we're on the phone, sharing the moment and crying and going like, you know, what can we do? And, and he said he wanted to write a letter to his global employees. And so he wrote this uh, letter. He asked me to take a look at it. He said, having a background in writing, comedy, writing for TV, um, and um, the network levels at NBC and all that stuff. I want to know from your perspective as a black man, if this is in the right lane. And of course it was because his heart really is in the right lane. So the notes right. I gave him weren't too many, just a few. And then he said, I'm going to send it out. So he sent it out and it was very well received, except for one black woman in middle management came at him hard. She's like, you're an opportunist. You mm. just wrote this letter and uh, donating $100,000 to Black Lives Matter and 100000 to the Negro College Fund because you want to look good. And he was really hurt by it because he meant well. And she said, yeah, that's what you're after. And then he came back to me. He said, um, it was going really well, but what should I do? I said, well, first of all, you have to understand she's in abject pain, you know? She's in pain. A lot of this I learned while I was um, uh, 
creating the PSAs for uh, the more you know at NBC, uh, mm -hmm. did all the national spots for anti-prejudice and diversity, uh, moved on to some other areas as well, but those were my, my key ones. And in that racial dynamic, sometimes people have to look at the perspective of what that person's going through. I said, first of all, she would never punch back at a CEO unless she was in abject pain. So understand that first. Then he said, what should I do? And I said, have you asked her her story? Right. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, not her resume. Have you asked her her story? What has her life arc been like? And she told him, I never imagined you would ask me this. I, I just thought you were CEO, make yep. the money and keep it moving. And then when he asked her that, uh, she said, uh, I went to an Ivy League school and I did really well. But every time I got an A, they would say, how'd you cheat? How'd you cheat? And she said, so I've always had a chip on my shoulder, but this is helping to remove it. It, it changed their dynamic. So he said, Don, you know, I've seen all your one man shows. What if you did a one man show for the corporate market with all the solutions and the other parts that you want to add in there? Right. He said, but they're always boring. There's never like any right. excitement in them. Uh, or there's usually a takedown about the CEO. Won't you get it together, white man? Right. You know, you're running this. So, you know, we're making it happen. And so I created this thing, a, a takeoff on the takeoff on the Twilight Zone, was an imaginary diversity inclusion meeting. And I played mm -hmm. different people in the meeting. Uh, and the twist is that they're all people I've really known. We're sidestepping right. stereotypes. These are people from my life. You know, a woman I knew named Anne, who was um, shared the story with me that when she was little, um, they used to run up the street. They lived in San Francisco. They had to run up the street, the top of the street, to go get um, to go get uh, things for people. Sometimes uh, a neighbor would say, "Hey, I forgot to go get some milk or some bread. Will you run down there?" So she said, "So I'd run down there." And I grab it and they pay us two bucks. So one day I was talking to my friend named Rick and Rick says, uh, I say, Hey, you want to go to the park? He said, not right now. I got to run to the store for Mrs. Jenkins. She's like, Oh yeah. She said, yeah, she's going to pay me three bucks. I wrote, she said Th three bucks. She paid you three bucks. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she pays me and James and, uh, Tom three bucks. So she went to her father and she's like, dad, um, Miss Jenkins pays the boys $3, but she pays me $2. She said, we got to tell her something. She said, don't make a big deal out of it, but try to tell her, you know, try to talk to her about it. So she went back to her. She ran an errand and the woman gave her the two bucks. She's like, um, uh, can you pay me uh, three? She's like, um, no, I have to think about it. She's like, what's there to think about? You pay the boys three bucks. Right. And she's like, and the woman said, uh, she said, is that fair? And the woman, so uh, that was her first experience with pay equity. Um, and now she's an executive at a, a major company, but it's interesting how those little moments yep. build. And when people can kind of hear that story, uh, changing perspective changes behavior. And if mm -hmm. you can um, make that move, my, my, um, my message is when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not enough to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You have to put yourself inside their story. And that's what that, um, that presentation does. It takes you through five different people's uh, perspective. This is so interesting to listen to. And you and I talked about this, you know, before you came on the podcast months ago, but <clears throat> it reminds me as you were, as I was listening to you again, 
and I totally forgot about this story that I was sitting on a panel at Cal State Long Beach mm-hmm. with um, some fellow LGBTQ individuals, and we were talking about our experiences. And one of the other gay guys on the panel said, you know, we never understand, kind of to your point, you can't just stand in their shoes, you have to stand in their experience. And he goes, you can't really understand where I come from until you understand what I've been through. And he said, so I'm going to share this piece of my life where I grew up in Chicago and kind of was, you know, somebody that was white, but my family lived on the other side of the tracks as a white person, so to speak, even though we weren't on the other side of the tracks, but we didn't quite fit the mold. Right. Right. And he had this experience where they had to rush to a hospital. And so he was driving the car, ratty old car for him and his family. It wasn't anything special. And they got pulled over by a cop. And simply because of like where they fell in the class of society, mm-hmm. this cop decided they were going to hassle him a little bit. And he said, now as a gay man, given what I've grown up in, every time I see a cop, I have a reaction. But nobody understands that until I share that story. And he said, at one point, I was at a gay club coming out and I came out of the club with some friends and there were a couple of cops standing outside. And you could tell they were kind of like waiting to see if they could grab somebody for doing something lewd or being too Mm -hmm. drunk or whatever. And he goes, I literally just shuddered and stood there and I couldn't move. And my friends were like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And he said that was the first time I actually shared that whole story. He goes, it has nothing to do with me being gay because what happened to me had nothing to do with me being gay and being abused by a cop. Mm -hmm. But it has to do with because of who somebody thought I was. That is now part of my story and part of my experience. And he shared that with the students to say, never judge somebody because of what you might think. Get in and understand where they've been and what they've gone through. And I love that you shared that because I think this is the missing piece in so much of the conversations that are happening today. You know, all of these things are happening because there's no understanding the story behind it. Yeah, it's, it's that it's that piece, you know, um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, a company, the, the corporations I speak to, uh, the organizations are built and run by people and people communicate and stories communicate and stories can create access and empathy. There's no part of diversity training or uh inclusion initiatives or microaggression testing, none of it's going to work if people don't care. If they don't mm-hmm. care, you know, they sit there and you're supposed to go in a room and watch the video and click off. Did you watch the diversity video, Tom? Yeah, I watched it. Click, click, click. But if they don't care, it's not going to transfer. And that glue, I truly believe, is storytelling. When you hear that yep. person's story, that's the step over to the empathy. That's mm-hmm. how it actually transfers. And that's when the testing and the initiatives can can take hold. And, you know, we're so charged right now. So let, we're going to just go there in our country right now about so much of this stuff. You know, as we're recording this, this is the day after that. Now, once again, the voting rights thing kind of seems to has died a slow death for now, mm-hmm. maybe for a while. But 
I would beg the question that if you actually could actually have a conversation with some of those people who still refuse to vote for it and really say, so what's your story behind why you're doing this? Mm -hmm. There's a big story for them. So let me tell you my story, why this is important to me. We're not having those conversations. We're all operating this high level. I say we all, I mean, I'm not, I'm like, no, I want this voting rights thing because it's time for everybody to be treated equal. And I feel like if we could just say, but let me, let me hear the story. Let me understand you better. Doesn't mean I may end up agreeing with you still, but we're not having these conversations. We're standing in these power plays and these power holds around this stuff. And so now as a society, unfortunately, it seems like the stories don't get to get told because we're just like, nope, this is the way it is. And I'm curious if that's kind of how your, what your purview is on that whole thing, because I think it's something that's definitely in the closet of, hey, how are we ever going to get to diversity, inclusion, equity, equality, all that stuff? Well, I think you're right. We've got to definitely hear the stories of the of the people uh, actually from both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the more important story is the one of the people who are being impacted and affected, yeah. the people who are, are being suppressed. But yeah. maybe if we can hear the story of the other people, they can realize they're not really articulating something of depth. And yeah. maybe that could impact uh, change if they were asked that. But they're really, as you said, they're hiding behind laws and um, tiny speeches and um, inside backdoor dynamics, as opposed to uh, sharing and communicating. That's that's not happening. They're, they have an agenda, and they just no. And and when the thing is, is if the sharing and communicating is not happening, we aren't really, we are not doing what is best for people in general. I mean, and uh, and uh, I hate to say that. That's kind of where I feel like we are. It's like I know I'm to the place like I'm. There are days I'm like I'm not going to talk to somebody. Nope, not going to do it. I'm done. I'm so done with you people. And then I go wait. Well, how's that going to solve anything, Rick? If you're like I'm right. going to shut the fuck up and not say anything, which is just ironic that we're actually having this conversation because I was really feeling that way last night when I started seeing the news. Like here we go again. It's like I'm just done. I just want to scream. I'm so done with you people. Yep. But then I'm like, uh, can I be done? You know, there, there's a guy I know. His name is Mal, o- older uh, white guy. And um, we really had a breakdown over the whole uh, orange man situation. Mm. It just really, we had a really good friendship watching games together. There's a guy, he's the boys. Hey, Don, how's you doing? Hi, you got Don. a very beautiful wife there, Don. How are you doing? <laughs> very entertaining uh, character. But we hit it hard on the whole orange thing. And now we don't talk. Mm-hmm. The conversation's over. But I just recently, by further developing this storytelling and knowing that that's the link to empathy and communication, I realized I got to talk to him and tell him my story of coming through, you know, Oakland and racial interaction and things of that nature and what I'm feeling as I'm asked to step back or push down and maybe that might get through but the not communicating at all isn't going to get us anywhere we just stay on our sides and say well you know what i don't i don't deal with those people the communication lines unfortunately and fortunately have to stay open now some people are going to hear you 
But the people that get a little bit, there's a kind of continuum of people who are way too far away and some people who get a combination of things that make them go, wait a minute, what, what are you saying? If right. they hear those stories, that that's a, a way in. All right. It's interesting because a friend of mine and I were having this conversation just just in the last week and it, had, it wasn't anything to do with race, but it definitely was about discrimination and not being you know, accepted and marginalized and all that stuff. And he had posted something about, um, so we all, there's a lot of blood shortage going on right now in this country. We need a lot of people donating blood unless you're a gay man and then they won't mm. touch you. And so we happened to be getting on the phone to talk about something. I said, that was a pretty, you know, good, bold post you put out there on, you know, social media. And he goes, I was trying to have this conversation with somebody the other day and they absolutely like, well, you guys are, you know, you guys are risk, risky people. You did it and all this. And he's like, okay, so I'm married. I have a husband. Mm -hmm. I have two children. So tell me how, how I'm different than you. And then this person was the same was she was married, has a husband, has two kids. She's well, but that's different. And he goes, so how is, what I am different than who right. you are. She goes, well, just because you're married and have a kid, you know, gay men, all they want to do is sleep around. He goes, do you know that that's what I do? Is that what you really know that I do? Well, no, not really. He goes, so let me, let me just paint you this picture. I could stand at a hospital right next to a bed of somebody who really needs blood. There's nobody else around who can give that blood, but I have blood I can give. But because of the laws that say, because I'm high, quote, high risk, because I happen to be gay, they won't put that needle in my arm and they won't take that blood. And I get to stand there and watch that person die because my blood wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And he said, she got really quiet. And she actually started crying. And she goes, I never really looked at it that way. Right. And he goes, yeah, because most of us, we don't look at things other ways. He goes, I, he goes, I'm guilty of other stuff. You know, I can get really charged about politics and all this other stuff. But he said, I'm learning that when I think is something is really important that marginalizes me, I also need to kind of open the door to like, okay, what's important that may be marginalizing you. And it's a hard thing to do for us that are in these communities. And I always say when I, when I have the beautiful privilege of having a conversation like we're having today with someone of color, I got it easy. I can walk down the street and nobody knows I'm gay until I say it. Right. You don't have it that easy. You are already classified. And I don't care all this great stuff you've done, Don. <laughs> You're not carrying a sign like, wait, I may be black, but I've been on the Tonight Show. I've done this. I've done that. You know, it's an interesting space to play. Very specific to that. Very specific to that. I want, I want to share um, a quick story with you. I was performing in Texas. And I rented, uh, I knew I was going to be driving to five different colleges to speak. And so I rented a really nice car, a really high-end car. And I was driving down the highway uh, in this area, it was uh, uh, 65. And because I knew I'm a black man in the South, I had the cruise control set at 65, not an inch over. Over. Right? And I'm driving... And I look in my left hand, go in the opposite direction. Right. Whips around. Woo! Right, right. I pull over. He gets out. 
he's walking up to my car and his first words were, where'd you get this car? That's what was, that was first words, not anything else. Said, where'd you get this car? And I said, I rented it. He said, okay, let's see the rental agreement. I said, I'm going to go over to the glove box now. He's like, go ahead. And he steps back a little bit and he's watching me. And I said, you know, I just remembered it's in my luggage in the trunk. When I left the airport, I dropped it in my bag. He said, sure you did. And he put his hand on his gun. He said, let's see it. Get out. Mm-hmm. Get out of the car. I go to the trunk. While I'm at the trunk, he says, what's that on your back? I had on a jacket from a show I'd done, a stand-up show I'd done on Fox mm-hmm. um, called Comic Strip Live. And it was on my back. He said, well, where did you get this jacket? I said, um, I'm a comedian. I'm performing at a nearby school and speaking there. Um, He's like, you're in that show? What'd you do in that show? I said, uh, did it take off on E.T. the Extraterrestrial and the Birds? He's like, I saw you on there. Oh my goodness. Ha ha. Oh my goodness. Uh, and the, I said, um, the real agreement. He said, I'll oh, forget about that. He said, do you want an escort to the college? He got in front of me, woo, turned on his lights and gave me a police escort to the school. They're like, hey, Don's here, right. whatever. But I, ever since then, Rick, it's kind of sad. It is. I don't go anywhere mm-hmm. without three to four jackets from productions I've worked on, The Tonight Show, um, CBS, ABC, a show I work for. Mm-hmm. I always have three or four of those, and I call them life jackets. I'm sure you do. Because it's a moment for them to pause and lay, since they might just judge me without knowing who I am, not knowing my story, as uh, a black man they can just quickly take advantage of. But if mm-hmm. I have to use something like that to give myself value in their eyes, I'll do it to save myself. But everybody doesn't have life jackets, you know? So it's, it's nope. quite a challenge. And it's unfortunate that we even have to think about what if everybody did have life jackets? What if they had something that could prove why, who they are, you know? And I get it. I mean, you you lived in LA, you know, there there's, yes, there's definitely places in LA I'm like, I'm a white cracker boy. I am not walking down that street. But even as I say that, that's like, I don't really like even saying that, but let's be real. But there's also places in the South where I know as a gay man, I wouldn't walk down those streets either because it's just not safe. But what's the life jacket I have? I happen to be this color, white, and I happen to be kind of a big guy. So the chances somebody's going to screw with me I'm pretty small. And again, nobody knows I'm gay until I say it. And that's really sad. It's sad that in a situation like that, that that, I mean, good on you that you had that, but it's really sad that that has now inspired you to have to feel like this is what I got to travel with. This is what I got to travel with, you know, because this isn't where I don't believe this is where we should be as a planet at this point. Not that we should have ever been here to begin with but to know that this is where we are. So when you go in and speak in these spaces or you do your shows where you bring the whole diversity zone stuff alive, what's one of the biggest impacts you have seen happen in an audience? Uh, The biggest thing is um, people recognizing that they weren't listening. And it sounds Mm -hmm. very simple, but it's, um, it's, it's like we need to be reminded of these things a constant reminder of placing yourself in someone else's story uh, can have impact. 
I think a lot of people uh, go through their life and say, if I stay in my cocoon, everything's going to be fine. If I just mm-hmm. protect my own little world, I'll, I'll be okay. Um, but in fact, you've got to come out of that. And, and right. the more we come out, the more we come out of them, the closer uh, we can all become. Um, there's, um, you know, this, this kind of leads back to that political thing. There's a lot of division going on along, around that. And it does yep. have a racial and um, gender and um, sexual perspective to all of it, unfortunately. Yep. But mm-hmm. it seems to me, and I like to believe, that more and more people are looking at the open story, the bigger one, mm-hmm. and that the other form is shrinking. Like my son, he's um, 26. He came in um, a while back with some friends, and his group of friends were a, a South Asian kid, uh, a guy, a lesbian girl, a Latinx guy, and him, the four of them. Mm-hmm. And they're just rolling. Right. And that's their crew. There's yep. no conversation about, you know, you know what you are, you know what I am. Right. It's just who they are. And so when he hears, he's like, people are still tripping off of that? I have real belief in the next wave of people based on my own kids, although there's some out there learning some right. other things. Right. The number of them who are still thinking that way is smaller, and it will be better one day if there's enough water on the planet, which is a whole other stuff. Thank you very much. That is a whole other stuff. But you're right. I see it in my own kids. And, you know, you know, I remember when I came out of the closet, I was 36 years old. My kids were... <clears throat> My youngest was nine months old. My oldest was almost six or five and a half. And the first thing that I heard from certain people in my world were, oh, you're going to ruin their lives. You're going to teach them the way that, that, you know, the way of the devil, blah, 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 blah. Okay, right? Then there were those that like, wow, your kids are going to probably grow up really amazing and open-minded, which is exactly what they've grown up to be. Very like open-minded, accepting, loving, caring, and also badasses like you don't don't fuck with me. <laughs> Let me tell you, you may think this is who you are. No, you don't get to pull this stuff. And I remember once <clears throat> our youngest daughter, it was early, early on. She was well, she would have been in Montessori school, like four and a half, five years old. And we went to an event and she was performing and performance is over and suddenly you know all the kids are going towards parents and everything right and my husband and I well my partner and I who's now my husband and my ex-wife were all standing at the back of the event and here she comes and she's a spitfire to begin with here she comes dragging a whole train of kids with her she stops see I told you I have two daddies (laughs) and I was like (laughs) okay we are on we are on our way I love it and um I wish we could have more of that. And yes, as you said, some, some, hmm, we won't even have go with a certain individual who's now being touted around the globe as like, look, he got off. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother place that I'm like, hmm, I, I, you know, God bless whatever happens to that young man. Right. But um, it's, it's encouraging at the least to say, Hey, there's, we see a wave, hopefully the wave will crest and, things will happen differently. But when you think about when people suddenly say, oh, diversity and inclusion, what would you like them 
to say instead, because I, I get kind of, I can get on a soapbox about this really quick, but I'd love to have something else be said rather than diversity and inclusion. Right. Um, I, I think um, one of the factors that I, I hope I'm bringing to the table, though it seems that way yeah. as I speak to people is I'm bringing um, not just the, the basic stuff I learned from uh, Stanford on unconscious bias and that kind of stuff, just that information, but shaping it in an entertaining package, mm -hmm. you know, with sound effects and characters and bringing it to life allows you not to fall asleep. I mean, I know right. people, they're going like, uh, so I was supposed to sit here and watch the video, diversity and inclusion, make sure you're nice to your coworker, right. say hello in the morning, <laughs> say goodbye at the close of the day. You know, no, right. everybody's right. like, ah, I heard that already. Um, so I think bringing the entertaining perspective to it is going to allow a bunch more people to hop in. The other thing is um, uh, at the end of the speech, you know, I offer some solutions, um, OCC and ACC, I call it open culture check, where people can write in their own little story about how they mm -hmm. feel things are going and an right. anonymous culture check without uh, reverberation of thinking something's going to happen right. to you about something you don't think was too cool. But the other thing I'm offering is a virtual reality training. I partnered with a company out of uh, Barcelona and they had some groundbreaking things they did with um, domestic violence and uh, virtual reality and the Oculus goggles. Mm -hmm. It's the person in their wife's body, the offenders in their wife's body, they look in the mirror, they see themselves, they see their hands, and then they see an avatar of themselves cussing her out, jamming wow. her up. And it shift their perspective. So we're going to do that as well with characters from the diversity zone and other um, uh, individuals that we're presenting where a person who's a white male this job can put on the goggles and be in the body of a black woman and hear the microaggressions. Yeah, I don't know if she could probably do that. You know, I don't know if she can handle that right. project. It's kind of big for her. And that changing perspective changes behavior, placing mm -hmm. yourself not in just the shoes, but inside the store. That's awesome. I love that, man. And I think that's part of what I was going for was like, I, I've always said the day that I never have to help somebody come out of the closet again is the day I will be so happy. It's just oh, like, wow. oh, that's who you are? Cool. All right, let's move on. And I feel kind of the same way about diversity and inclusion. When those words don't even have to be part of the vocabulary any longer, it's just, we all just are here. Okay. And, and I, know, I know I'm reaching. I, I know I'm reaching for it to happen anytime soon. But I also think like, okay, but what if suddenly that's just how we all thought? Everybody's just who they are. Everybody is, you get to be this, you get to be that, you get to, you know, yes, I know there's always going to be because we're human and humans have weird shit that goes on in their heads. But if you even just started having the thought of, there is nothing that makes Don different because he's a black man. There isn't anything that makes Rick different because he's a gay man. They just, that's who they are. End of statement, throw away the key, done. Yeah. And I know there's lots of things that contribute to this, you know, religion and everything else contribute to much of this. But I mean, you, I'm pretty sure you, you're, you're a black guy. So there's some faith stuff in there somewhere because a lot of black people are very faith driven but that doesn't mean you have to take the ugly faith and bring it to life. And I come from a faith background and am I super practicing now? No, but I've found a way to like, Hey, 
I can still believe in, you know, well, the big guy or the big gal upstairs, whatever we want to call it. Right. But it doesn't mean I have to shove it down your throat, nor does it mean, hey, you got to think the way I do. Let's just think that, hey, maybe there is something more than what we see here. And if there's not, okay, there's not. I have my thought about it, but I'm not going to make you feel like you have to be. In fact, there's a guy who, when I first started speaking at colleges and universities, because <clears throat> we PFLAG was the, the organization I spoke with, so parents, families, friends of lesbians and gays, and we always had a gay man, a lesbian, a, usually someone from the transgender community on the panel, and then an ally. So a parent or a, you know, a supportive family member or somebody. I remember the first time, so Don, so all these, all these guys, Don, they're all pretty cool. Just saying it. Right. So Don's on the panel. He's the ally. When I first met him, he was 70 years old. And he's like, so I'm, I'm going to just introduce myself and my friends here. And he goes, here's the bottom line. I'm an old white guy from the South. And honestly, I don't have a dog in this game. I am not gay. And as far as I know, I don't know that there's any gay, lesbian, bisexual people in my family. They probably could because my age, they probably hid in the closet. They could still be hiding in the closet. But he goes, I don't have any reason to be here other than this. I have one belief everybody gets to be who they are and live their life the way they choose to live it. And these people that are on this panel are some of the bravest people I know. So as the old white guy on the panel, I'm going to sit down and shut up. I'm going to introduce them and they get to do the rest of the show. But I'm going to tell you, if you start beating up one of my friends here on the panel, I'm going to come get you. And it was just like, this is, <laughs> this is just, it was so amazing. And literally he was telling his truth. He has no reason to be on this other than he's like, everybody gets to live their life, be who they are, do their thing, just like you get to and you get to and you too with one thing. Don't hurt anybody else in the process. And I love that guy so much because that was like, you know, you said at the beginning about me, just like, hey, I just, I, I live how I am. I, this is who you, what you see is what you get. He was so that. And I wish there was more and more and more oh, of this. Maybe a legion of those out there. Yeah. I want to say quickly that my father, you know, he was way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time right. to uh, bring my, my, at the time, my sister, who was identifying as male, mm -hmm. was really getting a hard time from her mother. And, mm -hmm. my, and my father said, come over here and be your mother fucking self. Don't, right. don't mess with no. Yeah. And mm -hmm. at that time, that, that 70s window, that wasn't the cool thing at all. Right. That was supposed to, be, supposed to be calling people sissies and f words and all that kind of yep. stuff yep. and my father was way ahead of his time so my training on accepting gay transgender blaze was a part of my family now i had my beats when i was uh not clear on it and would be out in public and a friend said hey 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 uh th th there's your brother i'm like no 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 don't don't call him over here right. because i but i learned accept people where they are know yeah. who they are, feel it. And we had one of the strongest relationships I've ever had uh, in my life. And so, you But know. you just said something really important, Don. You just said, accept people where they are. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest keys. Accept people where they are, you know? And again, it doesn't mean you have to agree 100% with who they are, but accept them. 
That's all we're that's all we're saying now. And again, it goes back to, but when you start hurting other people because of who they are, it's a whole different ballgame. It just it just doesn't work. And I think this is where diversity, inclusion, equity, all those lovely buzzwords we use in this, you know, space. It comes down to if if you could just realize this is just about being human in a good way to each other, plain and simple. That's all it is. Yes, That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of, you know, certain things that I see certain Christian people doing, but I'm not going to say you're going to hell because of the way you're acting. I may feel that way. I'm admitting I do feel that way. But what kind of a hypocritical bastard would I be if I suddenly got up in their face in a really ugly way and and did exactly what a lot of them are doing? I'd rather say, well, I'm sorry, the devil's taking that place in your heart. Bless your soul. Okay, there's a Southern boy coming out of me. Um, but um, I'd rather like, okay, that's where you are. I'm going to accept where you are. Now, I'd like to see if we can't have some conversations so we can understand each other better. May not move the needle, but at least I'd rather do that than like throw these fits. You know, the, um, the comments you made about Don, who was not gay, not trans, None of it. Uh, yes, yep. there. It's going to take, uh, in, in particular to the LGBTQIA uh, battle, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's going to take more cisgender individuals to join the battle. I um, do some work mm-hmm. with Transgender Law Center, Transgender Law Center in San Francisco. I've hosted their events, uh, done some storytelling with them. And it's the people who are not in that world. Yes showing up mm-hmm. and saying human, real, equal, yes. us, the people who are not there, that is a needle mover. Yes. That, uh, mm-hmm. But it doesn't take a, a legion of just by chance, your Don, my Don. Right. But that's what, but that's what you're all, that's literally what you're doing is all about. It's like, they're people. We just need to remember they're people. Everybody is a person. Everybody has something. Everybody is a person. Right. Right. Everybody is a person. Okay. So, and, and I think that's the hardest piece of it. And when I've asked, uh, you know, when I've interviewed other people around this subject of DNI and, you know, especially right after the, the George Floyd event, I I interviewed a friend of mine and I said, okay, I, you and I were both from marginalized communities. You happen to be a black man. I happen to be a gay man, but I said, I'm a person and you're a person. And I said, I'm coming at you person to person. I don't know how to talk about some of the stuff that needs to be talked about in your world. Mm-hmm. So tell me how to talk about this. Show me where I'm missing something. And cause I'm, I was one of the, like, you know, one of those people like, I'm sure I'm fucking up somewhere. I'm just saying, I'm sure I am. Even though I feel like I'm pretty open. I feel like I'm pretty open, but I'm sure I'm screwing up at times too, you know? And it was such a great conversation because first it a inspired me B, it got me looking deeper within myself, going, where did where do I do this? Like, ooh, I just kind of pulled one, but I didn't realize I really pulled one on my brothers and sisters in the black community. And oftentimes we just don't see what we don't see because it's become, hey, this is, hey, I think I'm doing pretty good. And we don't re-examine stuff. It's that unconscious bias. But you know, yeah. it's that screwing up. It's, you know, it's, it's, that's a big part of it as well. People who have uh, good intentions, but not wanting to mess up. They don't want to mess yes. up so they don't say anything. No, right. you got to get in there, 
the people on the other side of it, like yep. you would know if somebody was trying to get to the good part, you would know their intention. Mm -hmm. But if they don't say anything, you won't know. And so yep. it requires people to know. Uh, and it's also incumbent upon the people who are the minority in the dynamic to allow people to make mistakes, yep. allow them to have error as they move towards the, the good part. As I've throughout the years, as I've worked with the transgender community and now the non-binary and the gender non-conforming, I have fucked up all along the way. Right, right. I mean, one of my very first times that I spoke on a panel, uh, my friend Michelle. So you notice now I now say my friend Michelle. I was like, okay, she is a big, big bone woman. Put a put me in her body, and that's what you get. Big, big woman transitioned at 51 years old, I believe, 50 or 51 years old. So mm -hmm. big Adam's apple. You can't miss it. Beautiful when, you know, she can be really beautiful, but there's times she's like, I'm just like everybody else. I didn't feel like putting my freaking makeup on today. I'm like, okay, girl, I get it. But I had the hardest time at first because I, when I first was speaking, I'm like, so, you know, Michelle, he, and I'm like, wait, I fucked up. And, I, and I'd say, I screwed up. She yeah. goes, I know you screwed up and that's okay. You're doing it. You're doing it. You are yeah, catching yeah. you. You are in, you're in the arena making it happen. Exactly. And we finally did get to the point where I could be on a panel with her. And so her and I finally like, okay, you're going to do the fuck up today. Right. I'm like, yes, I'll do the fuck up. I will <laughs> fuck up just so we can make the point. And, and a couple of times oh, I forgot and she's like, you didn't, you didn't fuck up. So I ain't talking to you up. now. I'm not talking to you. I, you did not do the fuck up, Rick. You cannot be my friend. And it was really funny because it, it, we literally, when we got to be on those panels together, it was like, okay, let's not forget the fuck up. And she's like, yeah, I'll remind you. <laughs> and so finally I'm like, well, how can I always remember? And she goes, oh, just look over at me. Just look over at me. And if you see the finger, you know, you haven't done it yet. I'm like, that's a great way to remember how to do this, you know? So, um, but, um, wow. I love this conversation, man. And before we wind up, there's one last question I have for you that is, you know, it's just kind of, if you could have one thing right now that would be a needle mover, it doesn't have to be something huge, but if you could have a needle mover in our world that would just move it even a little bit, what would you like to see people do to start really stepping into, let's change some of this dynamic? I would like... Um, I, I feel that a lot of the change in America happens from the deepest pockets mm -hmm. where the money is. Yep. Uh, I think it's also going to end up impacting the environment as well. Yep. Um, but when the people with the biggest and deepest pockets, that being the corporations who are really running out of things, when they start implementing the change, it comes on down, down. Mm -hmm. there's one big thing that's happening now in that um big hedge funds mm -hmm. huge hedge funds where they have investors and shareholders now are starting to look at first it didn't matter it didn't matter at first but now they're starting to look to see if the corporation is up on their dni angles mm -hmm. if they're not they're not in the package right that's the bottom line that that hits the mm -hmm. dollar amount mm -hmm. the same thing is happening in terms of teams, it's very clear now that 35% uh, of the companies who do the outperforming are the most diverse. Yep. It's meaning we're just picking the best people. We're not doing this, you're a white guy in a tie and you're this. It's 
we want the best. And that's why they're winning, because the best is in everybody. The gay mm -hmm. man, the transgender woman, the Latinx guy, the person with a disability. The best minds are that crop, not individually. So I like to see the corporations uh, step up more and make more of a, uh, a conscious decision. But it's kind of happening to them anyway. There's right. some companies that are getting to drop down. The, the advent of, uh, of people coming in mass at a company and saying, you're not doing it right, that's starting to have more of an impact. And so mm -hmm. uh, if I had to move the needle more, it would be seeing the corporations put the money where the mouth where is, yeah. making the step to say. And not, and not just once a year, yeah. not just once a year. Well, not, yeah. not just doing uh, next month, right. doing Black History right. Month exactly. or just in June, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred yeah. percent. And, and it's, it's such a, it's just a powerful thing when something as simple as let's make sure this isn't just the once a year, let's make sure the dialogue continues that one, it may sound like a, a big, big step, but it's like, okay, so we do this thing. Now let's, let's get back together next month and talk again about this. Let's get together two weeks from now. Let's let's look at what did we do this week in our own team? You know, sometimes it can be just the simplest little thing of we just keep the awareness in front of us. Right. That doesn't mean that's where you stop either. But I know as I've worked through this within the LGBTQ space, it's continuing the dialogue, continuing the dialogue. And because I spoke at so many different colleges and universities in Southern California, it was kind of interesting because I'd walk on a campus at times going to do like a typical panel. And there were students who'd sat on my panels before and they're like, oh, yeah, you're that guy that talks about coming out late in life. You're such a cool gay guy. I'm like, OK, well, cool. <laughs> kind of like that. But it's like to know that that was the conversation that was like, wow, you know, that's a big needle mover right there. So um, so website where can people find you let's do that shout out before we wrap up even though folks as usual it's all going to be on the website and stuff but um where's a great place for them to find you man you can go to the diversityzone.com the diversityzone.com everything's there all the uh, about me about uh the areas i speak on you can click the reel and watch the reel which gives you a good insight on what i'll be presenting as yep. well as uh introduction to the virtual reality company right. that is a yeah. step after and if you are hearing this and you're like man my company needs somebody like him please reach out he does an amazing job at what he does and you will not be disappointed you guys know i don't bring anybody on here unless i'm like they're good let's let's get some stuff going on here so right. thank you my friend so much for being here and sharing and doing the work that you do in the world um you are truly a, a blessing on this planet so thank you so much you, it was great talking to you i knew you're going to keep it real because that's how you roll I don't know how else to do it. You know, I mean, by the time when you lose your hair, you got to be real somewhere else. Right. So <laughs> you just make it happen. Oh, yes. Yeah, so and we're both bald. We're both rubbing our head right now. If y'all could see us on camera. We're like, yeah, we baldies. We got it going on. I have so. the bozo afro if I let it grow out. I, the the, the cul-de-sac. If it grows, I can't let the cul-de-sac. Got to keep it bald or it's a cul-de-sac. Yeah, that. exactly. Well, thanks again, Don, for being here. Right, so appreciate you, so you, man. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this 
and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here a life on closet here's what it does it helps other people find the show it helps other people get to know what we're all about and we just might help change life in fact if you really want to change a life we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think so that's it love you all deeply i'm rick clemens the host of life uncloseted and never stop stepping out stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted